as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. up we're drinking up some milkshakes yeah i couldn't do this sober not a chance sober what's that mean (laughs) oh boy so david german and i have decided to conquer the blade trilogy yes so long story short it's follows wesley snipes as an immortal highlander type uh a uh, character known as Eric Brooks, also known as the Daywalker. Hey, but, he does have kind of a Highlander vibe, doesn't he? I didn't really hear the movie. I, I, yeah, I, I always kind of got it, but for whatever reason, it just kind of, this was always kind of just a little more superior to that. Uh, but <laughs> Highlander, and, has its, Highlander has its charm, but it is incredibly goofy. Right, you know, and for whatever reason, I just found this kind of a more superior kind of cult movie. Uh, it was based on a black exploitation kind of, you know, Marvel comic book from the 70s. And long story short, peeps, uh, you know, this this whole movie not only saves Marvel Comics in 98 from bankruptcy after so many failed comics before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also uh, makes it to where uh, they they, they rebrand the Blade comic book character. They have to make the comics more like the movies. So it's a total... You got to go where the money is. Oh, that, and, I mean, I remember the third movie had a comic book, and it was totally it, not not unlike uh, the movies, and at the same time that they're having, uh, they try to, they're, they're tempted to spin it off with Spider-Man, which is also, you know, the original movies that are also spawning and making Marvel a hit thing, but uh, despite crossing over the character in... Uh, both the comics and some of the cartoons that just never happens but um uh yeah these follow uh uh the title character as he walks around conquering in various uh, uh chicago and uh i think one of them was set in new york no I think they were. I think they're alluding in the first one. It was New Orleans, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. My, 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 my bad. It, it was L.A. in the first movie, and in the second movie, uh, he's in. I cannot fucking read today. Um, yeah, I don't. They never really. I don't think they ever explicitly say it. I think it's pretty much left up. 
It, it, it is. Um, yeah. uh, he res- rescues him in Prague in movie two. So okay, so it's the European vibe, and then in the yeah, third the movie, beginning, right? Being he's in uh, the Czech Republic or something, being the first, second one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but these it, movies, uh, so this, uh, myself included, people think tend to think of X Men, the original X Men with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, as sort of being the beginning of the modern uh, superhero era. But really, this movie kind of ushered in the darker superhero era, uh, I think. It, it, this one's a little bit more forgotten, I think. This is the one that really sort of started the more realistic, if you can say that, as opposed to cartoonish superheroes, you know? And, right, right. Uh, I think if this hadn't been a hit, I don't know if we would have had X-Men. Uh, absolutely. And fortunately, you know, even though it has very low critic scores, they still reacted pretty positively. Yeah, well, I know. But, I, I mean, it, it was always... I mean, it was just unavoidable. I, I remember Entertainment Weekly was really liking these. Uh, Roger Ebert spoke very highly of these, saying these were very, you know, good art direction, visual effects. I had I my thought. Uh, absolutely. And, my, and this is around the time, you know, in the late 90s where DVD is being embraced and everything. And so, you know, my father and uncle had seen it both on cable and you know just the dvd itself so they were always speaking about it every once in a while although it would be funny my father wrongly mistook uh, uh whistler is being played by sean connery not chris chris christopherson so yeah um similar performance though uh so yeah, yeah connery, connery could have done it too absolutely uh it'd he be right he was he played that role in Highlander. he was the yeah. master yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, it would be a rising sun reunion. That'd be funny. Um, so uh, how did you come into contact with this? You know, I had TBS, TNT, and <laughs> what was your experience? Uh, I honestly can't remember the first time. You remember, I'm old. I don't, uh, and I can't remember if I saw the second one first or if I actually saw the first one. Did you see them but in the theater or did you just take no, it off? No, no, I think all these I saw on home video. I didn't see any of the three in the theater. But it was wild, though, because this is around the same time where they're kind of embracing the home video market instead of just doing the, you know, paid channel uh, exclusive. Like, they, they, you know, these would play in, like, theaters for, like, uh, three months and then instantly, you know, be on pay-per-view and VHS and DVD the rest of the year. And, I mean... Yeah, remember, yeah, that's right, because back, back in the day, right, a movie would come out in the theaters... And you'd have to wait months for it to come out in some form of home video or cable. And then they got wise and realized they could, yeah, strike while the iron's hot. And as soon as it's not making money in theaters anymore, send it to video. Which is, the, you know, now shit, now they bypass video altogether, bypass the theaters altogether. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's just even more just sad how they they pretty much, because everything's digital, now they basically spend more time figuring out what they're going to spend more time marketing and which movie that they either don't know what to do with, so they hope that they can just throw it magically onto a streaming platform, or uh, if something's not working with it, do some drastic re-edits, or if someone really fucked up, like the color, the lighting, and the other correcting isn't perfect, then, uh, you know, being very, very mysterious about when it actually got, you know, finished so that they can still keep a little level of professionalism about it, but which is just ridiculous. It's like, where did all those millions of dollars go to just the actors? Jesus. 
I didn't see any of it. From what I understand from reading uh, up today to get ready for the Oh, film, yeah, no, I'm not uh, saying these were in these movies. I mean, just in some of today's movies. The first movie, the first the first Blade, really required some serious re-edits. Apparently, they did some, uh, some um, what do you call it, test audience showings, and they were disastrous. Yeah. And it took some serious, and usually that, that spells the doom for a movie, but I thought at the end of the day, they came out with a really good movie. I, I always thought the second one was far superior, but I watched them both today. And the first one's a really good movie. It's a little bit, it's different in theme from the second one. It's a much whiter film in that the color palette's much brighter and cleaner. But that, I think that was the aesthetic then. The, the, the few, you know, high technology was all white and clean. And then in the second one, it's much grimier, grittier, you know, down in the sewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so do you want to tackle them in order or what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, let's... Uh, Basically, yeah, uh, this was just one of those movies, you know, it just it was always talked about, you know, just the, some of the best sword fights, the one of the better vampire movies. Uh, there's kind of, uh, you know, one of the best movie villains of all time. I mean, Stephen Dorff fucking got a yeah, TV was, movie award was, for this. He really does command the screen whenever he's on it. You just can't take your eyes away from him. He's a very commanding presence. He's a, I think he's a woefully underused actor. I don't know even know what he's doing these days. But uh, He did a, a short-lived TV show called Deputy, which was by David Iyer of Training Day and Street Kings fame. Training Day, that's a good movie. All right. Um, but, yeah, uh, uh, yeah Stephen really, Norrington. Yeah, right. Yeah, Stephen Norrington, I was familiar because he was a UK filmmaker who had worked for, you know, virtually every single special effects artist on the cult movie Death Machine later does League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, I looked, so I looked him up. Yeah, he had quite the, uh, quite the, the career as a special effects artist. Not too many direct directorial credits to his name, but a lot of special effects. Exactly. Um, and so very much like uh, this, some of these other people, he kind of, he just appears from the scene, just goes back to editing and special effects work. Uh, but, uh, 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 well, that, that, that's another one that it's it, it varies by crowd, but he, he apparently. I've got friends who swear that that's a great movie, and I just, I'm like, dude, I can't get through it. Even with Connery, I can't do it. The big rubbery arms on, on um, uh, what's it, um, uh, Doc, uh, Mr. Hyde, the big rubbery arms, but that's a different movie. I can't get past it. It's all, it's all good. Um, and uh, uh, it, it seems like. And this is definitely his finest hour. He's just got very intense editing, very just it, you can you don't you not only see the money on the screen and see it being put very well to use, but you can yeah, tell. Very much. Yeah, very but, much so. But I mean, it nowadays when you watch a movie, you just can't tell how much time was spent storyboarding it. This one it is so obviously storyboarded. It just. I, and yeah. I think this was one of the first DVDs, I think, where you could even, if you wanted to, look up and see some art direction and storyboards as a yeah, special feature. Special, yeah, that's special features and stuff. Yeah. What, yeah. That, and this is one of the first movies, I don't know if it's the first, but it's one of the, it's the first movie that I'm aware of that used the uh, bullet time technique. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if, if it's done before them. And they didn't do it the same way. That was done, obviously, just with animation, where in Matrix it was done with like a whole shitload of cameras. But still... It was a pretty cool effect for its time, I thought. Oh, totally. Matrix was being filmed around the time it came out, so people were taking note. Joe Silver was definitely taking note, and uh, yeah. I mean, 
New Line Cinema. This makes them, you know, this is before they become a big studio with Lord of the Rings and Final Destination and then slowly kind of defund themselves and just merge back into the main Warner outlet. But uh, yeah, they're, they're doing this and Dark City. And so they got all these kind of noir looking blockbusters. That's a movie we should do. That's a good movie. We, we could. We, we could definitely do a lot of other just kind of... I know, this darker, yeah, grittier. We could do probably the best dete- modern-day made detective movies, so there you go. Um, so, I mean, uh, this is definitely the first Mark Isom score I ever remember ever seeing. Donald Logue was a fun uh, yeah, I, right-hand I, man. I wanted, to, I wanted to bring him up. He is, every time he's on the screen, he's hilarious. And apparently he ad-libbed a bunch of his dialogue. He had a much smaller role, apparently, and he was so great, they just let him do more. And he oh, just, yeah. He brings such an energy, and, and, he, and he's great in everything I've seen him in. He's bringing such an energy and, and, a, and a, a, a genuine sort of uh, flavor to it. Damn. Okay. I love, yeah, I love him. I love him in everything. And he's hilarious in this. He's so, he's, he has the best line in the movie when he says... When uh, when Deacon Frost tells him we're going to be God, he says, "I'm going to be a naughty vampire God." I'm like, yes, that's the best line in the movie. Absolutely, there's many good lines. Uh, have you ever actually read any of the scripts from movies? Like, just in free time, just read them. Not not for many of these, no. Uh, uh yeah, uh, this one was wild, dude. Because I mean, I I, I read the opening. And it was at a time when I wasn't really mature enough. I didn't really like reading certain. Because we're so uh, mature, we're so mature now. Uh, yeah, but but uh, for for this one, uh, uh, it it was just so wild. I mean, just reading it, it 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 was a real inspiration to me as a scriptwriter. Just seeing this guy just kind of describe, just give you an impression of what uh, the world. Uh, war basically create a world, but uh, do it by basically uh, just having very off-color dialogues in the descriptions themselves. Uh, the, the script opens up with him saying, "A man enters a club with a fuck me sideways look," you know, and that was just so inspiring. I was like, "Whoa, okay," just having just here's how you break the formula, and I think that shows not only. I, I would see occasionally some people would read the scripts or uh, be disappointed by this movie, and I, I can't understand why because they loved so oh. many other kind yeah, of stylish. Yeah, that opening is strong. That opening is strong, and I see other people say the rest of the movie isn't as strong. We're gonna have to just kindly disagree. But I mean, uh, I, I've seen people even who they like stuff like uh, Near Dark and Lost Boys, and oh, Near Dark is another one we need to cover. God, that's a great movie. Uh, we we might have to do the best vampire movies of all time, yeah. But uh, that, that's a fucking dark movie. It is, but I mean, I, I, it was so wild. They they could they like those kind of stylish vampire movies of the '80s and '90s, and for whatever reason, they could not get into this one. And I wasn't. I'll be frank. I was never really a vampire guy. Me I mean, neither. I was, no, I'm not. I've never been a huge vampire guy. I, I, it's just, it's not that the concept is bad. It's just that. It's kind of like some of the most pretentious gangster movies where you're just staring yeah. at the screen and you're just like, you fucking idiot, stop going towards this person. Why are you being seduced by this guy with fangs? You know, it just, they... The romantic part, that's the gothic romance side of it. That he, you know. Well, there's that, and it's like, 
I like gothic horror, and this was kind of really wild how it was kind of, it was an action movie, it was a fantasy movie, and it was a horror movie, but it was all just pretty much just all exciting all the time, and just... And it's built- fun. It's got some very funny dialogue in it. Um, the scene where they go to visit the uh, librarian guy, I think, what was the name of the big giant fat person? Was it... Was oh, it- yeah. That- <laughs> yeah. Uh- he does her. I, I have it in front of me, but I can't find it because I've been drinking uh, uh, he, and, and he himself, that character with the really high school, he has some funny lines like Blaze like asks him about the prophecy and he's like, well, I don't know, there are so many. <laughs> it's a very funny dialogue in that scene. And then she hits him with that UV light and he looks at her and, he, and she goes, well, he moved. And I don't know, it's just, it's a very funny scene, even though you're seeing a big fat guy get tortured. <laughs> right, yeah, that for, for me nowadays, uh, that one just kind of feels like a little overkill, so to speak. But to be fair, this, this is meant to be an anti-hero character. You know, Blade doesn't fuck yeah, around. Yeah, Blade is no not. Problem. You're right. He's not just right. He's definitely very much the anti-hero. And there's something about Wesley Snipes. I hope he's not listening. Or is he still in jail? But He's I, not in jail, dude. He's been him. out since 08. There's something about him that's unlikable, at least for me. I'm always willing to hate him. But he's perfect for Blade because... I, I can't... It, because he's, his acting's not great to begin. Like, you, I don't know that you've ever seen... Wesley Snipes in the movie would go, wow, he really is a great actor. He's oh, great, he's amazing. He's a, great, he's a great character. He's larger than life, you know, and he's huge and whatever. But he's not like, he's never going to do fucking King Lear or, you know. He's not going to be Denzel amazing, but. Right, I, Denzel could, probably could do this role and also give you a great subtle performance. Denzel, what's, uh, Wesley Snipes ain't subtle. Nothing subtle about Wesley Snipes. Fucking Demolition Man, you know. Oh, that's just it. Demolition Man and New Jack City. He knew how to be foul-mouthed and over-the-top. Uh, over but the uh, yeah, he's over the top. Uh, he, but uh, seeing him into Wong Fu and the recent uh, Dolomite is My Nate, he can do comedy really well. And, uh, but, uh, and so I think that's why he always delivered on the one-liners with this. But uh, I'll, I'll say this. He kind of got action movies that otherwise would have gone to Steve, someone like Steven Seagal or Bruce Willis. And he kind of, or even Stallone in, in some cases. And he just kind of just got pigeonholed into that. Now, as we go on, we'll just dis- describe how he kind of got an ego back in this day. But, uh, I-, I think he, I think he gave this role some solid energy because he just knew how to be moody yet reserved. Yeah, moody. Can you imagine anybody else doing this role? I mean, I... Oh, yeah. He's, I think he's perfect for this role in, in the first one, and, and, all, and all of them. He's great. Yeah, he, he's... I can't imagine anyone else playing this role. Uh, me, me neither. Uh, so, apparently, they, the people at New Line, when uh, David Escore was pitching this, they felt there was only three people who could do this. They, they, were, they actually thought Wesley Snipes, Denzel... Or Lawrence Fishburne, so there you go. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Probably Lawrence Fishburne, man, Denzel would be too sensitive. Uh, I could see Lawrence Fishburne fucking killing this too, maybe. Um, but I, but I think I think Wesley was the right choice. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's a huge in real life. He's a huge martial arts kind of guy too. Like he knows the shit when it comes to like doing the flippy and kicky stuff too. Now speaking of flippy and kicky, apparently. Uh, uh, Jet Li was asked to do the main villain role of Deacon Frost, but uh, they yeah. uh, and he yeah. Yeah, he decided to do Lethal Weapon Four. But 
I'm glad that they didn't go with Marky Mark or Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> I read that. I, I don't know that I could see Marky Mark. Maybe Skeet Ulrich, but uh, but something about Stephen Dorff. He brings a sinister quality. He's, yeah. He's got, he's got that sort of Jack Nicholson, just this side of crazy energy, like where he could just explode. At That's any... a good point because he was in a Blood and Wine with Nicholson. So I. I think he did say in a brief interview, it's probably on a GeoCities, that he was studying Michael Caine and uh, Nicholson in that movie, and so he was just getting comfortable. But that's a very good point. He basically, yeah, he he kind of just, uh, you know, just he's got he's got this yeah he's got this simmering rage and and and, the, and his character in in the first Blade movie. It, it, at least for me, I was watching it today, it touched on some sort of racial issues. Like, he's not, by the pure-blood vampires, he's considered sort of lesser. But he wants his place. Yeah. He wants his place, too. He's like, what the fuck? I'm a vampire just like y'all. But they're like, oh, but you weren't born into it. You were made, sort of like class warfare. You know, you weren't born into money. You, you know, you're, a, you're new money. I, I, that's the vibe I got from it. Maybe that's just because of what we're going through as a society today. But that's, I took that away from it, uh, watching it lately. I definitely I definitely got that back then before I really ever knew about it. I mean, just with kind of the German vampires in this, it definitely was one of those, you know, this how ironic that New Order, you know, the electronic band does the opening because this is exactly yeah. what it is. It's a new vampire order. Um, and they didn't want to get Prodigy. The, uh, the Wasn't that a British techno band, Prodigy? Right. And they, they like, couldn't. They, they I remember that album came out. What's it? Um, I can't remember the album, but this big hit was Firestarter. I remember that yeah. song. I remember listening to that. That was yeah, that was some crazy shit. Fit right into the it would have fit right into the movie too. Uh, yeah, and uh, they were able to pretty much get more of what they wanted for the following movie. Just have music videos and everything. But I mean, with this one, they pretty much took what they could chew. Everything that they couldn't include, they still ended up, uh, you know, finding other ways around it. And uh, uh, he he, I mean. Uh, so I'll, I'll, when you embrace this on home media, um, did did you kind of really notice how heavy use of both the foley and the also just a lot of just visual key shots that kind of gave you an idea of what was on everybody's mind each time they're in the car, you know they're you you get a sense of this world around them, the sped up editing, but it's not just cheesy slow motion it's more just you know night becoming day day becoming night um uh, all right i gotta say that one of my favorite things about both the first and the second i don't i guess it was in the third one too was his car uh, in the first one it was a 68 dodge charger that's a badass car i love that I, definitely made I'm me feel in love I'm with that car. car guy and i love the scene at the very opening of the second one when he takes a little second to look over at his car and he gives a little kiss you know he does that little to his car, I love that. Yeah, because that's a badass fucking car. Absolutely, and, and I, I was always my cars, but I like that car. Absolutely, I get a Terminator vibe from him. Just how this movie is so in love with, uh, you know, the shotguns, the cars, and yeah, the second one, the second one is much more, yeah, much more a gun sort of, uh, gun porn, and it's also a, the second one's a zombie movie. As I'm watching, I realize it's really it's a zombie movie. You've got vampires being turned into these other things that come after them, you know, relentlessly. It's really a zombie. They're, they're vampire zombies. It's Absolutely. A, uh, uh, 
I love the second one so much. I I can't say enough about the second one. You've got um, you've got Whistler back again. You know, they kind of they kind of retcon him back in. Although I guess his fate at the end of the first one wasn't definitely established. If you never if you don't see someone die, actually see them die on screen, they're not dead. That's what I tell my daughter. She's in filmmaking. I say if you don't see them die, they're not dead. You know, they're going to come back. And that, so you don't actually see him shoot himself at the end of the first one. So he comes back in the second one. And then you've got um, this whole cast of characters, the Blood Pack, and they're all very interesting characters. And and then and Ron Perlman, who you know is so great, he's so great. Yeah, my 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 daddy said to me as before he killed my mother. <laughs> it's just... Right, right, before he killed my mother. He, he and he delivers those lines. And he's apparently he's good friends with Guillermo del Toro, so he was an obviously Hellboy. And Hellboy Two, the Golden Army. Which yeah, they met on the set of the movie Chronos and. We're in some other stuff together. I have never been a Del Toro fan, on popular oh opinion. Oh, I, I have to go. Sorry, bye. It's no, all good. No, uh, I love. Uh, but but th- this one oh, works. It it's it's got a good enough story and special effects and coordination by Hiro Koda and other people who worked on stuff like The Mummy Returns and other stuff. So that uh, they got a bunch of effects going. I think they're still using the flat Earth production design. Uh, who, for movie number one, had also worked on stuff like Mortal Kombat 2 and Xena and Hercules shows, but the f- Blade by far is the best effects. Uh, and I kind of, I you know, O2 is when I'm really fully aware of Blade uh, because, you know, I'm in high school or middle school by then, and it's just I would always see ads for it every day. And fortunately, there used to be this little show on AMC that would talk about the I think it was how it was. I think it was even called how it's made. And wait, you were, were just, you were in middle school in O two. In yeah, unfortunately. But <laughs> oh, uh, fuck you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <I'm lost. laughs> no, no, no. Sorry I know. That was a fucking thirty-seven in O two. That's all good. It's it, all good. It, it sucked, but it is what it is. But no, uh, that ARP discount is sweet, man. Let me tell you. Wait. <laughs> shit <laughs> okay. yeah so there was this show on amc back when they're just still kind of just showing just occasional movies showing all charles bronson stuff and indiana jones but not really stretching out much uh but yeah uh in between uh just well whatever kinds of movies they they had a show called how it's made and they would show how visual effects and movies were made and uh one episode uh, they featured both uh mummy returns and uh blade 2 and it was wild just seeing all the green screen and everything, how it's layered in. And unfortunately, it aired way too late when, you know, my folks tell me, you know, turn off the TV, go out and, you know, fucking go play. play. And so I, I, I just kind of just went with that. I just said, you know, OK, I'll watch a bit of this and that. Um, uh, the, they would show the effects for all of other kinds of other recent blockbusters, freaking uh, Hollow Man and other stuff. <laughs> you know, What's movies. Hollow Man? Right. Movies oh, that are only... the one, the Kevin Bacon one, right? You're right. Movies that are only worth watching just to see the outrageousness or so oh. exactly. If if there weren't the effects, you would never see these terrible movies. And uh, yeah, Blade Two comes out. I wasn't really convinced by the effects be- before I, you know, had it any kind of level of criticism. But uh, seeing as it now, it's just one of those rare blockbusters. The 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 vampires are kind of made to look like the the predator creature from predator but yeah, when, they open, when they open their mouths right 
It's got a real zombie vibe, too. They're zombies, man. Yeah, yeah. There's a total... Zombies who just have real bad orthodontic work done. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely a Romero love letter. Um, But uh, overall, uh, despite the CGI being used to be unneeded, like, stunt doubles for the various characters. Right. The one part of Blade 2, and I love Blade 2. I have to say I love Blade 2 a lot. Oh, yeah, it's great. When, when um, Nissa and I can't remember the um, the other guy's name, they come at the beginning, they infiltrate Blade's lair, and they're, he's fighting them in front of those lights. Yeah, the CGI is is not great. No. It's, uh, we, we, we it's forgive, bad, but it's... We forgive it's, those we love. We forgive those we love. Well, that's just it. The movie is strong enough to where... It is. Other than that, that's the only really weak CGI that I can think of in the whole movie. The re- Actually, the rest of the movie, there's not a lot of CGI that I can see. Whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what do you mean? You mean every single slice and dice and gunshot? Well, obviously, when the, when, the, when the vampires are disintegrating, that's obviously CGI. But, like, when they're doing the autopsy, <laughs> right? you know, and they're squeezing the pus out of his fang, you know, that stuff, that's all practical. When, when oh yeah, I don't. I didn't even think of that. But no, yeah, but, yeah. Obviously, when the zombies are just <laughs> vampires, but I think the the use of practical effects in this one are great. I don't think they went to the CGI well uh, more often than they needed to in this one. There's that, and uh, the motorcycle stunts are well configured. I don't find the henchmen here or villains per se as good as part one, but it's okay. You know, it's just having the whole him <laughs> unite. With his... Is it because it's just be- is it because the villains in the second one are the zombie guys? You're talking about the gang, the blood pack. Like which ones? Oh, that's know? just it. There, there's so many people going on in there betrayals. So, but we would be remiss in not mentioning that the the main bad guy in Blade Two was in a boy band with his brother. Yeah, Luke Goss. Right. Who was also in uh, the Golden Army, which we talked about, was uh, Prince Nuwata in the Golden Army. And he brings a real, he brings such an energy. But yeah, let's never forget he was in a boy band with his brother. So yeah, they even did a documentary on him recently. But uh, I've I've been a fan since day one of seeing this movie. Just uh, Luke Goss, whenever I see him on screen, he looks like a British Bruce Willis. You know, just bald. He's very intense. He brings a very intense energy. Very um, uh, yeah, very kind of hungry and needy. Like he when he when he in Blade Two when he kills the drug dealer in the alley. And, and is sucking the, like the blood off of the little bits of glass and stuff. It's very, it's a very intense scene. There's that, and uh, more or less, it's kind of cool just seeing this this man who feels betrayed and wants to take back his father's throne. But overall, because there's so many things going on, it's kind of a. I get vibes from other movies like Aliens, just having all these uh, moody, you know, guys with different kinds of weapons all kind of teaming up together and you know getting dispatched one by one um it does have an alien vibe but it's very and it's very it's yeah it does it's very much so very blue very yeah that sort of dark smoky right yeah. right and the and the um the um what are they called reapers have a, the way they open up their jaws kind of unfold yeah very kind of alienist alien like yeah oh. yeah makes me think of the eggs that's true and <laughs> how funny how Matt Saltz, who was in movies like The Transporter and all, all the Fast and Furious crap all of, but uh, he was one of the victims at the opening of Blade, and here he is playing a different member of the gang in Blade 2. So it's like, geez, someone had his phone number, just said, hey, you doing anything? 
We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah, 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 good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you (laughs) don't run the listeners away Pete ah I'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as I can remember I always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. 
Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. Crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of her. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steven At eilfm.podbean.com Hi everybody, it's Mac Jackson I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network this website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. 
The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. We now continue with our program. Wait, he's the victim at the, the very beginning that Tracy Lords brings into the, the rave? Uh, see, I forget that's Tracy Lords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, How did you forget that's Tracy Lords, man? Uh, well, see, I didn't watch underage porn. Just saying. Neither, but um, oh ne no, neither did I. Full disclosure, neither did I. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm joking. But uh, with me. Well, what's hysterical is I thought she was the main villainess in Blade One, and I was like, no, it's the this other. That's a that's a totally different Romanian chick. But yeah, no, this. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is an interesting movie, uh, especially because you got one of the Boondock Saints in here, uh, Scud, played by Norman Reedus. Yes, and a very, very, very young, almost unrecognizable Norman Reedus. He's got that young kind of energy, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. With this one, people forget that he's in it. But I, well, yeah, that would have been funny. Well, one of the vampires is Scott, uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. That would have been funny. <laughs> yeah. I like when Whistler, when he's like, yo, man, I don't trust you. Whistler just smacks him in the face with a gun butt. You know, like, sit down. Oh, he absolutely pistol whips him. He's treating him like shit. And the next thing you know, you know, is he's one of the many mutinies and betrayals that happened in this movie. Right, but not not until he actually earned Whistler's respect. Right before you find out he's actually a, a turncoat, he actually earned Whistler's respect. But, you know, which makes that the whole the fact that he's a, a traitor more dramatic. Yeah, very wild. Um, and special effects work is done by Steve Johnson, who's, you know, work includes everything. The Outer Limits remake show, L.A. Confidential, uh, First Wave TV show, Species movies, uh, uh, Along Came a Spider, even freaking Bicentennial Man and Biohazard, Night of the Demons 2. So, you know, he's done all sorts <laughs> of movies. Return of the Living Dead free and... Uh, the awful Island of Dr. Morrell film, Anaconda, fuck's sake. So, yeah, he's... <laughs> Anaconda. God, I, uh, I think I saw that in the theater. God. Yep, there you go. Uh, he had done some uncredited special effects on Predator, but for the most part, he, you know, I mainly know him from Stargate SG-1 and uh, uh, Doc Ock, Tentacles, and uh, uh, Spider-Man 2. So, you know, he's he's been a go-to. He has been pretty awesome he does some similar effects uh work on i am legend um and yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the bad guys the things that i am legend have are, they do kind of harken back to the reapers and blades you know they're the same kind of thing almost absolutely but uh steve johnson he's definitely one of those guys he doesn't come out right away but since he's worked on virtually everything and been so diverse uh you know uh I have to commend him because he's done every kind of movie. He never pigeonholed himself into being just the action or just the horror guy. He always, you know, would come in and do some additional work. And often he would, uh, he, he would do some different kind of works or work with the likes of movies that also had, you know, Rick Baker, Stan Winston or Kurtzman, Rob Kurtzman working on him, so that was always cool, because it's like, okay, so there's something for everybody. It's not just, I must hog 
and be the only go-to guy on this movie. Just great minds think alike, and you know. Well, in the second one, uh, uh, apparently uh, Del Toro did a lot of sketches for what the uh, Reapers were supposed to look like, um, and um, they added a lot of effect, a lot of features that harkened back to the uh, mutants from um, Beneath the Planet of the Apes from 1970, which I love that movie. That movie, you know, I was, you know, uh, when I first saw that movie, I was probably seven or eight. That movie was in my wheelhouse. So I love the fact that they sort of tried to recapture that with the Reapers in this one, the veins, the sort of translucent skin, and and you can see their veins. I didn't really get that vibe, but I I, I can understand. Yeah, apparently Del Toro is a huge, a huge fan of Meet the Planet of the Apes. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Paul Tippett of uh, Star Wars and Willow and Jurassic Park fame uh, had his company do the digital effects. Uh, I can't say this is their finest hour. They definitely did better work on Starship Troopers. So we should move on to Blade Trinity if we have to. Uh, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, it becomes the final chapter. It's one of those I've liked some of the action, but it just the whole movie is just a train wreck. And I I get it. I see that a lot of people like this one, but they're always focusing on stuff that isn't germane. They're focusing on the sidekicks played by then not pre Deadpool uh, Ryan Reynolds and right. post Texas Chainsaw remake uh, Jessica Bill. So yeah, she's kind of becoming a uh, a big thing, you know, pre Miss Justin Timberlake. Uh, 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 she's one of those where, you know, she's just starring in all these various action horror movies that aren't good and looking fine as all get out. But uh, I don't buy her. I don't buy her as freaking Whistler's uh, uh, daughter who he never who he was estranged from and was also fighting vampires and thought dead that that whole storyline even by comic book logic is just fucking stupid <laughs> and, they, and they tried to jam in the whole kind of you know techno side because she like would curate her own playlist for killing you know because i think yes God was sort of new and playlist oh she but you know and and, and poor Patton oswald i mean i guess you know He's the one who tells all these behind-the-scenes stories about it. He's he's Q. He's their Q. Yeah, I never thought of it, but he totally is. He comes up with all the right. He makes a lot of funny jokes, but you know. Well, there's that, but then they don't do anything else with him. He's there literally. Right, nothing else with him. He makes a couple jokes, gives him some cool. Freaking Natasha Lyonne. This is like the last mainstream movie she does for a while because she's still high as fuck on drugs, and this is like the first movie I ever saw her in, and I was like. What? I don't. Uh, this right. girl is... came back with Russian Doll, which was pretty good actually. But uh... yeah, I've heard good stuff about that. But I mean, you want to talk about just a waste of time? Like they have all these other people here too, and they literally just are dead in the next scene, and then everyone's crying about it. I was like, I don't. No, no offense. I don't know anything about these people. The thing, the the biggest crime to me in in Blade Three, I guess of all hate them, is the misuse of Parker Posey. I just went. And yeah. Watched, I just watched Best in Show and um, Waiting for Guffman, and she is an incredibly talented actress. She's she just is great. She is wasted in this. Wasted in this. I know, man. And just how she's just coming in and just kind of saying what's on her mind. And this she's is around the. Off, and she's just pissed off the whole time. You don't know why she's pissed off. She's just 
she plays it so ridiculously because that's she just has nothing to go on, so she goes for, for all that. And I, I mean, they have a pretty much a who's who. Uh, since it was filmed in Vancouver, like all these other Canadian movies for tax benefits, uh, you know, you see a bunch of other Canadian actors, but they also have nothing to go on in this fucking movie. So it's just like, okay. And seeing the FBI get involved really pisses me off for whatever reason, because they're, they're just all talking heads. You have freaking James Remar appear for one scene and he has nothing to do. And it's like, why do you even have him in the movie then? Freaking James Remar, man. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> don't, what, why even have him in here? So I, yeah, no doesn't work for me at all. I know it works for some people. They they find it lightweight. They find it funny and action-packed. That's fine. But some of us want a little something just more, just if that makes it sense. Was, it was too jokey. It was like, it was too, it was too much. Ride, and the trailer ride, is ride, way go. funnier than the actual movie. You see that, the jokes fall flat. But how, for whatever reason, it's, it's edited slightly different. Just the... They, they go in a police station and in typical Hitcher, Terminator mode, vampires attack. And uh, they, they, but they find out that the vampires, they go back to movie number one, where it's, it's pretty clear that even parts of movie two, where it's like it's pretty clear that the vampires are, are also cops, but they found ways to mask themselves so they can attack Blade during the daytime. Yeah. It's just so, but the way it's introduced is just so... It, it it feels forced upon like oh now we're gonna make use of that idea instead of oh this was the plan all along you know it's not it's not outlined like all the other kinds of franchises have done it just feels just very just yeah you know we got nothing else to go on but now we care about using this subplot it's like if i had it's like if tarantino were to do another action crime franchise trilogy, but then just have someone who was literally in the corner twiddling his thumbs suddenly become a fret. You know, even you know that even he would know better than to do that. So with something like this, it's like, yeah, so these FBI people are bought and slash vampires also? Yeah, no, fuck that. This is just becoming too much to handle. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying it's not an idea that could work. I'm just saying it just feels very. Just... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even watch the third one again to get ready for this podcast. I watched yeah. the first two, and like you know what, I've seen the third one. I've seen it like twice. That's enough. Oh, uh, they even have freaking Eric Bogosian appear briefly, and I'm like, what is the dude of talk radio and <laughs> every other Oliver Stone movie in this for? It's just no. It's just and. I saw plenty of other act Canadian actors who have been in everything, you know, Canada is a small oyster. So if you're in Canada or from there, you pretty much have been on everything from freaking Murdoch mysteries, some UK shows to X-Files, first wave Stargate and, uh, you know, supernatural. So, and Battlestar Galactica. So I saw plenty of those guys here, including freaking Callum Keith Rennie from Memento He's the guy who's in the closet who gets all taped up, you know. God, I haven't seen Memento in a long time. It's all good. But, uh, yeah, he's here, and he's just kind of laughing evilly. And I know he can do a way better layered villain or anti-hero or even a hero on a rare occasion. And he, he 
Triple H, the wrestler's here, and he is just, he is not an actor. I'm sorry. And it's just, he's like, how would you suck my dogs, bitch? And he does like all his other kind of just very childish insults that it would work if it was a Steven Seagal fan, you know, movie, but for a Wesley Snipes movie? No, I, I don't want that. So everybody's, uh, this is also the first movie I saw Dominic Purcell in. And I don't think he's a bad Dracula, although they call him just Drake. But his his version of Dracula is very poorly done and not what and not given the best makeup. Not good. Not no. Good all. I'm trying to think of anything I like about the first, the third one. Uh, the the final action scene I can watch because they're using crystal meth and music and all that. But like you say, just the build up and just getting there terrible terrible like i would even try rewatching it on occasions on cable tv and i would get bored every time it would never hurt and i mean this is starting out with again what how you start out a blade movie just like the last two you just have gunshots and car chases and uh creative dispatches but it's just it's on such autopilot there's only so much you can do and i was even more pissed off when i found out that they did pretty much what they did with Ice Cube in that fucking Triple uh, X movie a year later. They, Because Wesley Snipes was so uncooperative on set, he grew a big head. He was high on marijuana. Yeah, the and, third apparently, right. He, and, and, uh, and I will I will admit this. David Goyer is not a good director. He's a good writer. And I've liked what he's done with The Dark Knight and parts of other superhero movies. But I've also seen some of his standalone horror movies. And they're... I mean, this is a guy who came from doing comic books as well as fucking Full Moon Entertainment stuff. And I, I, I get that Van Damme, that Van Damme prison movie, Death Warren, is a cult classic. But even then, I mean, I know he can do better and he can be deeper. He's very intelligent to talk to when he's not going on a rant and he's not high as fuck. But uh, just uh, seeing what he's done for TV and other movies like The Invisible, which is also a terrible movie. He's not a good director, but he is a good writer, in my opinion. I won't put him as top of the line, but he knows how to make it. Even when he doesn't know how to totally flesh out all his world, he can at least justify what's going on it inside of it. So he's still enough credibility. However, you know, the critics, you know, even James Bardinelli and Roger Ebert had liked the last few movies but they, they absolutely hated this one too and i i think that says a lot just there's you know oh four is a big year for action movies you got cheesy stuff like a alien versus predator but then you got stuff like born you know supremacy and district b13 so it's a big year for everything you know and so you got you got so many different action movies and this one it should have been very badass and don't get me wrong i mean this is one of these franchises. I see people do montages of fight scenes from different movies. There was this one YouTuber. He would take all the great fight scenes from every martial arts heavy franchise from Mission Impossible to Matrix. And he would always include Blade in there at the end and other movies that had heavy sword fights like Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings. And it's like uh, they, they worked their ass off on this. They still had some of the same crew, but yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chuck Jeffries is a big, 
you know, from Gladiator and a bunch of other guys did a lot of the awesome fight scenes and coordination on this movie. And there's still just some, the CGI, you can tell it's CGI, but it's not sci-fi channel level, but yet the care put into it just doesn't resonate like the last two movies. So I really don't know what else to say. Um, yeah, I love the second one. Um, I think you said you liked the first one, the best of the three. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a tie between one and two. Uh, the, those are both. I like the first one a lot better after watching it again today. I hadn't watched it in a while. I think the first one's better than I, I remembered. It's, it's very good. Like, like we said, Stephen Dorff just commands the screen whenever he's on it. Um, his yeah. Side, I can't think of her name, the actress who played his. I haven't highlighted here. She was like a, a model who had never acted before, the blonde like sidekick of his. I, can't, uh, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, well, see that, uh, that that's oh, a good. Uh, Arlie Hover, that was her name. She, she Arlie Hover. Yeah. Even though she had never Hover, is it Hover? Yeah, sorry. Well, but, wait. Uh, she she yeah yeah she she's cute and she's done some other French. Well, she, has, she has a great quality, sort of an angry, sinister quality in this. Like she's really pissed off the whole movie, which I like. And uh, we we both agree that Donald Logue was great as Quinn. Well, I think you just figured it out. So basically, Goyer, in his mind, all these women have to be bitchy and angry. And that's just stupid. It's like, they can be laid back and relaxed. I mean, like the female protagonist in movie one, played by In Bush Wright, uh, freaking uh, uh, Dr. Karen. She gets her Uh, back. She she gets pissed off in moments, but she's overall pretty reserved. And it's a shame that she didn't really have as big a career, just did some TV stuff afterwards and then kind of vanished. But uh, uh, I, I even liked a f- lovely, just gorgeous, uh, former Cleopatra miniseries star, uh, Lenar uh, Varela uh, as uh, Nysa. Uh, oh, the second one, yeah, she is. Yeah, and, uh, yeah she was lovely. And, and Blade Free just did not have that. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. This movie in recent years, uh, I, it's always included on best uh, movie insults because of the thunder cunt line that Ryan Reynolds lets out. But right. even then, I, it's really not worth suffering for this movie. If you were to watch it, you would think... I, I would even see some people just watch this the most. They just thought it was funny and cool. And I just... It's junky. It's very junky. You don't feel like the care is in there and that everybody at this point it's like Goyer is just, just like hey people who like it are gonna like it and it's like well that's not true we're we have preferences too and so hey, he basically ends it up as he wiped out the rest of this virus this injection this uh pathogen they were able to come up with is and once it injected it's gonna not only kill Dracula but wipe out the entire race and but just getting there is just such a drag there. It's just so over commercialized. It's got every kind of annoying thing that was going on in every it's two MTVs, shall I say. And yeah, all jokey. And yeah, it, yeah. It, it is like, who cares about teenagers? I mean, every teenager had pretty much seen this movie. They can watch it if they want to, but, uh, uh, at one point they wanted to have this crossover with underworld and I know a lot of people like Underworld. This yeah. is I I am not I'm, I'm not, not a fan. I'm not one of them. No, I can't do no, it. No, and 
Kate Beckinsale, notwithstanding, I can't do it. Well, and see, it, this kind of this definitely reminds me of one of those movies. And when I saw it, I was like, okay, another Matrix Blade cash grab. But uh, yeah, when when I saw this, this is like. Even though it's not, I don't hate it as much as those movies. This this movie just really just felt like it could have been something else, like a stupid TV show. But when I found out that pretty much Wesley Snipes, all his stunt doubles did all the fight scenes and they just CGI'd his face on, I was just fucking furious. I was like, come on. Well, yeah, why did why, why didn't he, he get so? Yeah, he can do the work. You know, it's like, yeah, and why Why did he get so high? Why did he have all these other movies in between? I mean, two years, what happened? And so to see that this is his final theatrical release movie in between 04 and 08, and then he has all these direct video movies that come out while he's in prison, is like, so whoever was his agent sucked, whoever was his tax preparer sucked, someone... <laughs> Who did he piss off that someone just said, you know what, fuck you, you know, you can't even just bail out and do a bunch of other movies you don't want to do. So I I like some of his directed video movies, unlike most action stars that go down that tunnel, because he still has what I like about his 90s movies, where he's got one-liners. He He's like Dolph Lundgren. He's one of the few guys who is like, regardless of what, are, what audience venue the movie came out to, he's... The persona you like and doing something you don't expect so he's awesome at that but yeah it's just like it's, this is just not a good way to end the saga let alone his theatrical run until oh until 08 or 09 when he returns but it's just like come on and so i mean it could have i don't hate this as much as other comic book movies and trust me we we Comic book movies are very tricky to critique because, again, when you don't have the comic book bias or uh, what you like about the character coming into play, then it's all whether it works as a screenplay versus a movie. I know that Mahershala Ali, who is an awesome actor, is going to be playing him in these reboot uh, Blade and tied into the Marvel Cinematic Universe as yeah, part of. That could be interesting. Yeah, I, I think it'll work, especially because it's going to emerge as part of the Doctor Strange too. And so I'm like, okay, cool. That that totally makes sense when you watch that those movies because those have a lot of fantasy elements and might actually appeal to action horror people, even though it's you know superhero related. But uh, uh, yeah, and some unusual kind of fighting that again kind of has a Highlander just kind of method. It's like okay, you know, or even the prophecy for and Constantine for lack of a better comparison, but, uh, yeah, uh, check out these first two movies. I'm not going to tell you to not check out movie free, but just know that it's going to hurt and you're going to just be making fun of it with a bunch of friends. You're, be... you're going to spend the whole time wishing you were watching the second one or first one or, and yeah, first one, yeah. either and one. they talked about one. having either one of the other two. Yeah. They, they even talked about having, uh, Deacon Frost returned in movie free. That would have been way better, even though that would have just been stupid. That would have been way better than what was they it, came. Was it supposed to be Stephen Dorff? Yeah, they they talked about it and they just I don't know what he was doing. He besides a bunch of other bad horror movies around that same time. Fear dot com. Yeah, he doesn't get enough work. Uh, yeah, exactly. And 
he he has always been a professional guy. I've seen him in commercials for anti-smoking and other stuff. He's a cool guy. He's a cool actor. He's he's definitely way more underrated and never been bad in a movie that I can think of. And so to and Dominic Purcell, don't get me wrong, he's a good actor too. Love him in Prison Break and all these other movies he's done recently, but it just the character of Dracula wasn't well done there. So Blade Trinity could have worked, but by the powers that be, you know, people not getting along behind the scenes and just so over stylized to where it's just covering up what's actually going on, you know, and believe it or not, there is a fan edit. This is around the same time that they're doing fan edits of movies that have crappy moments and making them look way better. Like uh, they're doing that. They, there was one that circulated around the same time on the internet, like the Star Wars prequels. And they apparently, around that same time, that torrents were becoming a thing, Rapid Share and LimeWire, where you download illegal music. There was a fan edit of Blade Trinity. Oh, I remember. I remember LimeWire. Oh, yes. There you go. And the, they removed all the stupid, you know, putting the music headphones on before you fight. They edited out the stupid lightsaber weapon she used. They they mo- removed a lot of stuff that didn't work and made it way better, apparently. But even then, there's just... I, I really just don't like how generic all the various vampires are in this. Like, you can tell all of them apart in 1 and 2, but in one, in 3, they, they're literally all static. There's a bunch of other famous stuntmen who work on this, like the late Darren Shavavi. And, I mean... They really don't have anything to do. And it's just like, uh, aside from just a few gotcha, you know, moments, uh, the first two always had their Jackie Chan worthy moments. But like with movie free, it's just like, eh, you know, you're just doing that to keep us awake, just however you're editing it. So I I just can't give you any points. So I'm going to just, yeah, again, movies one and two, give them a four out of five. Movie free, two out of five. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love, I, I love the second one just a little bit better. I don't know, maybe because it's darker. Um, it's a little bit funnier. It's, it, but it's not too funny like the third ones. They're trying too hard to be funny. Like they got Ryan Reynolds. Uh, sorry, uh, Ryan. Ryan Reynolds. And it's, and it's like just be funny. Yeah. Uh, just be funny. Right. He's not bad in it, but it's still it's. No, he's actually well. maybe the best thing in it, yeah. But I, I would I would give the second one um, top billing, but not by much. The first one's great too. Oh, good. And if they and if they tie when they bring Blade into the uh, MCU, it'll be interesting to see how that might work. Yeah, very so, much. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I just yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened, but it didn't work out. Uh, now, as a side note, did you ever see Blade the series? No, never. Sorry. And don't get me wrong, it's worse than Trinity, but boy. Uh, uh, and what about the movie Daywalkers with um, what uh, Ethan Hawke and Sam Neill? That that's got a real serious uh, Blade vibe to it. Yeah, so. yeah, I I definitely recommend that. There, I love that been, movie. That's a been, great movie. Yeah, that should have been Blade Three. You're right. Yeah, that's that's the Blade Three we never got. Unfortunately, not. Um, and uh, but yeah, Blade the series. It was like a 
13 episode Spike TV series that rapper Sticky Fingers playing the character. They basically acted like, oh, right after movie free, well, it picks Ron up. He's got this Asian tech uh, hacker guy working for him, basically right. being the cue. Right. Hacker has to be Asian. <laughs> uh, right. And it's like, it was totally styled after like all the various kind of, not directly, but if you wanted to, I would buy into what you were selling. Like just kind of, have it be a Magnum PI kind of equalizer 24 kind of show where the there's no chemistry between anybody. And it, it kind of does start out kind of like movie one where uh, he's got a female who he's got to convince that vampires are real. She's like a detective. And it, it just was like one of the few original Spike TV shows that were on at that time. But see... It really just didn't have any heart. It looked very cheap, even by Canadian TV standards. And uh, it just, I like Sticky Fingers as an actor and as a rapper, but as Blade, he, he wasn't cutting the mustard. I have, I, have not, I have not suffered through that, no. No, don't bother. But it had some interesting guest stars, but just much like some of these bad superhero shows, there's plenty of them out there. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, but uh, just for whatever reason, it's just everybody was, again, just taking it up to 120 and just making it way. It's like whoever was directing it or producing it is like just said, be yourselves or some shit. And it's like the movie, the show is supposed to be serious and they were always going for campy acting or just not good acting. And someone somehow found it still acceptable to print. And just like, God damn it, people. Not, why can't you be like all the the cop and doctor shows where those famous producers at least once a year meet with all the directors and other co-producers of the episodes and have a meeting called Tone, where it's exactly it. You're going to figure out how to shoot the style and everything and the tone, get the mood and everything right. And it's just amazing to me how... None of these other shows seem to do that. They seem to just shoot quick and fast, but then forget the part where, hey, do we have enough to work with? I don't think we have enough to work with. Oh, well. We're still going to make a movie. Yeah. It is what it is. Going on to the next one. Don't give a shit. And so, yeah. Uh, the soundtracks for these were always kind of a mixed bag for me, but they always had some cool tones. Uh, yeah, second best thing about Play Journey was definitely the Thirsty song by the Raza. <laughs> yeah. Now, the second one's got some great, yeah, it's got some great music and some great background music. And I mean, the opening techno theme from movie one, I mean, I would always make music videos to that. It's just that that's definitely one of those. Each time that gets played at a music rave or anything is like, Oh, I'm glad that someone knows about that. So Marvel doesn't really talk about these movies anymore. And much like, the Tobey Maguire era of Spider-Man, I think that is unfair and not cool. I mean... I love the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Exactly. The second Tobey Maguire one is one of the best of all the modern superhero movies, I think. Well, it, it, it's, it definitely got me into fucking superhero movies. It, it definitely got you and so many other people. I mean, and the fact that they just had to form their own MCU, I think they should have just accepted the better parts of Marvel like this and Blade and just said, you know, 
you guys can continue to play this character, but it's like, no, they just had to keep rebooting. They have to keep recasting. And now that they're on Disney's stronghold, it's just like, you know, we're going to keep making these movies until they crash or we decide that we don't want to do one of them and justify it, you know. And I don't know what really else to say other than that, that these movies are, are very beloved. Uh, I prefer R-rated action like this. Uh, the closest we got was with the the non-Marvel universe with, like, the X-Men Wolverine movies. But even then, that's still a stretch, you know? Um, uh, Captain America has a similar amount of love because it's kind of... It's not trying to be like all the other Marvel movies for the most part. It's trying to be like, you know, Je- uh, Johnston's uh, The Rocketeer and The Phantom and other... Well, mod- I like The Rocketeer. Right, that that's what I mean. It's trying to be like all those serials, yeah. you know. Jennifer Connelly. Hello. Wait. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll definitely have to do a movie, uh, an episode on like the best serialized, you know, movies like Flash Gordon and just other stuff. Just fun. You talked about the Flash Gordon with the Queen doing the soundtrack. That one. Oh yeah, might as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole. That's an whole episode of it of its own right there. There you go. And all these goofy fantasy sci-fi movies that have a purpose. So, um, hell, we could even do one on Kroll and Highlander now that we've been talking oh, about. Kroll, don't you just Kroll. I like that movie. I love Kroll, too. I'm, and I love... Got a good cast. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a Hawk the Slayer kind of guy, even though it's also a good riff track sense. <laughs> Hawk the Slayer, wow. Yeah, I went there. Couldn't help Upscure. it. Upscure. Upscure. I know. Blade, Blade to me feels like they treat it so obscure half the time, or just as, oh, that one was the Snipes vehicle, and I'm like, what the fuck? The, no, Blade was a big deal when it came out. Yeah, it's much more than that. Yeah, I... I, I, I a whole episode on, on obscure. I watched uh, Lady Hawk the other day with Matthew Broderick and Rutger Hauer, and <laughs> I watched that the other day. We should do a whole episode on, like, obscure 80s fantasy films, you know? Right cult fantasy movies we could even yeah. pick another topic would if you did a sequel to it what would it involve what it, what would it entail i'm still waiting on willow too <laughs> willow. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, willow. Uh, i try so hard but i can't i can't do it it's all good i i've failed on so many other fantasy movies from the 80s where it's like okay there's a reason critics hated it it sucked <laughs> and um uh, I've definitely gone into many arguments on the justification of specific uh, Stanley Kubrick and John Carpenter movies. And it's like, okay, I like plenty of other movies by them, but this one, uh, no, I can't. I don't know why people like this one. <laughs> yeah, we should all just agree to disagree. Yeah, it's impossible to agree. So, um, so uh, yeah, um, uh, it's been yeah. very fun doing this with you. And I mean, if no one's checked these out, what, what the hell are you doing with your lives? Watch yeah, these watch them. And even watch the third one. You know what? It's not the worst movie ever made. Uh, if you are bored by it, just skip to the last 20 minutes of action and then just call it a day and get on with or, the or any scene where he's driving that car because he's got another badass car. Yeah, talk about a meaningless after credit scene. The 78 Dodge Charger is awesome in these movies. But yeah, I remember watching the after credit scene. I was like, what the hell? Why did you even just show him just driving and just smiling? It's like, that's like the most pointless 
reason to stay after the credits for. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime, brother. And uh, yeah, let's uh, all uh, day walk. Yes. Do yeah. Do the day walk. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not a vampire. That would be quite rude. Oh. But uh, yeah, uh, enjoy them. Yeah, watch them all. And um, the best enjoy. anti and pro vampire movie you've ever seen. Yes. It, it, Precisely. It's got so many elements. If you love anime, watch these movies. If you love sci-fi elements and fantasy, horror, and action. If you like some unusual science and just some uh, kind of a Batman-type character as well very as... Very much so, Batman. Yeah, very much so. And, and right. If you're, and if Doing some Punisher-type... If you're into, yeah. into the vampire, this might not be your cup of tea. Uh, totally. If you want some die-hard... Uh, uh, Lost Boys type villains uh, watch these movies um, if you want just some other kind of just atypical movie that just showed that the 90s and 2000s had levels of creativity unlike anything else you've ever seen since watch these fucking movies please and amen right. and, and that I'm gonna go climb into my coffin and <laughs> oh, I, 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 yeah. yeah and then <laughs> wake up and go climb uh thanks for having me and uh good night and uh wear your masks wash your hands vote and be kind to each other Woo! that's what i groovy groovy all right take care follow us on the web on facebook twitter and instagram the podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a J-